Welcome to Good Patron, a production of UTR Media. I am your host, Garrett Godfrey, and on this show, we will explore what it means to be a good patron, asking how each of us can be a good patron of the bands and musicians we appreciate. I'm glad you're here, so stick around, because we have got some exploring to do. Now, if you saw the episode title, you already know some of the artists I'll be covering, but if you just let the episode play without looking at the title, I'll be covering campaigns and pre-orders for music by Graham Jones, Abby Holiday, Chase Tremaine, Thomas Bowles, a docu-series about the history of Christian rock by Mikey Bridges, as well as a heads-up about a couple other not-yet-live campaigns. Okay, it's Mark Hurd and The Swoon, with links to all of the campaigns in the show notes. Now, if you've listened before, you also know that I'll cover one way you can be a good patron and issue you a challenge. But first, I'd like to tell you about our Spotlight campaign. I was able to get on a Zoom call with Graham Jones to discuss his current Kickstarter campaign. It was only a few days ago, but his campaign has already gone from about half-funded when we recorded to over three-quarter-funded now. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Graham Jones. So I'm going to give a brief bio about you and then some details about the campaign, and then you can fill in any gaps that I missed that you think are important for our listeners to know. And then I'll have a few questions for you after that. So you're a Texan, a singer-songwriter, a worship pastor, and a solid backer of other artist projects going back years. And I'll, I'll circle back to that later. But last year, you successfully kickstarted your first solo album called The Story Still Alive, which came out on Bandcamp in early April this year. And it features cover art by Aiden Peterson. And it's all about the journey of faith, even when you're facing doubt and discouragement and depression. And it was recorded and produced with Paul Deemer. But you'd also been involved in some previous projects with your church, including an album about the theme of how Jesus is the ultimate thread woven through scripture. And now you've got an active Kickstarter campaign going for an 11-song Christmas album celebrating the season of Advent based on the Gospel of Luke called Good News, Great Joy. Now, I love that this album has a long, solid history. It started several years ago. You co-wrote four songs and shared them with your church at a Christmas Eve service. And then over the past several years, have added new songs each year. And this campaign is to make sure you're able to professionally record those songs and then share them with a wider audience. Now, so far, you're already over halfway funded with about three weeks left on the campaign. It actually closes Wednesday, December 30th. So, okay, what have I missed about you or this current campaign that we should know? Oh, man. Garrett, I think you've covered uh, my life better than I feel like I've covered my life in the last few weeks <laughs> running these Kickstarter campaigns. It's, it's, it feels like you're balancing a lot of things, especially with, you know, as a worship pastor. And then, you know, I, I um, play music in nursing homes on the side. And so I've been doing some of that. And Christmas is a, a busy time for that. And um, and then COVID and everything. So trying to do that safely and outdoors and all that kind of stuff. And um, But yeah, I mean, you've got the, the, the campaign down. I, I think um, yeah, one of the things that, that's really special about this new project um, and, and what makes me really excited about it is the, the, the sort of long-term journey that it's taken these last several years um, out of... Um, this this community of mine at my church and how we've been able to to share these songs and slowly build this into an, an album length project that I, I hope others can listen to and so yeah 
I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's been exciting so far, even though it is a lot of work. Um, but I'm I'm uh, pretty excited for what's ahead. Now, one thing that surprised me was in the details you include on your page how you expect it to will probably cost about sixteen thousand dollars to produce, but the campaign goal is only twelve thousand. Now, I was a math major, so I'm looking at that going. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, um, obviously being an independent musician, um, especially still uh, in the early years of of that journey for me, it's it's a slow slow growth model sort of <laughs> endeavor. Uh, but at the same time, um, my wife and I are, are just um, we both love music and, and we love being able to invest in the arts and, 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 um, make music and all of those kind of things. And so, um, yeah, for, for us, it was just a matter of saying, okay, how much can, can we responsibly invest in our end? And then, um, what can we ask of, of our community and then of, of others at large to, to help contribute to this project? So yeah, that discrepancy there, um, is just our own investment and desire to, to taking what little we have and then what, um, hopefully all of us together and um, this group of people that are coming together to make this project can can give to support um what we can do together is way better than than what i could do on on my own that's for sure absolutely so, yeah now i love that this project began out of service to your local church and then has kind of grown over the years what's that process been like yeah it's it's been really special i when i came to to my church called the fields church Gosh, I guess it was about seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Um, I, I I've always loved Christmas, and um, they had done different things for Christmas Eve before, um, but pretty quickly in the first couple of years, um, me and and a, a good friend of mine uh, who's a member at the church uh, named Preston, uh, we we decided, okay, what would it look like to really dive into the Christmas story as told by Luke's gospel? And you know, part of the distinctives um, that I love about my my church is that we we go through books of the Bible just chapter by chapter, verse by verse, to really dig in and, and get to know like what's the real story here. And one of the benefits of that is that I think for for me, I, I encounter stories that even though I grew up in church, I'd never heard it before in context there. And so yeah. looking at the birth narrative of Christ in Luke's gospel was so eye-opening to me. And so we just decided, okay, let, let's just try to write a, a few songs just for this year's Christmas Eve service. And that was back in like 2016, something like that. And so we did that. We wrote four songs. And the next year, people started asking, hey, that, that one song got stuck in my head. Are you guys going to do that again this year? And we were like, well, yeah, sure. And then as we started kind of rehearsing and looking at them, it was like, well, there's a lot more sections in these first two chapters that we haven't covered yet. And so basically, you just kind of add a few years of that process. And um, a couple of years ago, we kind of realized, okay, people are sitting and listening for a long time for for yeah. a lot of these songs that, that cover, you know, all the way from Zechariah going into the temple and hearing from the angel Gabriel to uh, when the shepherds go out and tell um, everyone about the birth of Christ. So that whole story um, of, of, uh, of, of Christ's coming. And so... Um, so yeah, it's been really special because I, I think for for me, um, just getting getting the chance to to write music and then share it over time of over a long period of time, it, it sort of helps as a songwriter. It helps cement the the songs and the moments that really work. You know, as a songwriter, oftentimes at best you'll write a song 
be able to perform it live for a while in different contexts. And you can kind of gauge and see, okay, how is this connecting with people? Yeah. Do, do people really connect with the story and the music and how's that working for a Christmas record and for an original one? It, it's really hard because you, you, you know, in a normal sort of record timeline, you, you would just write the songs, record it and really just hope that these original songs would connect. But the yeah. benefit of having it uh, be a part of my church community is now over the years, whether other people love it or not, our our little crew, you know, at home, we we just really hold on to these songs, and they're they're just a good reminder for us of um, what happened so long ago, and to be able to remember that and worship and celebrate it, um, even though it's just once a year, it just leaves an impact. And so, I, I, it's been really special to have that sort of long term process. Yeah. for the song, ha- has the congregational focus uh, shaped the way you wrote these songs versus? Some of the stuff you just done for your other albums. I would say that that what's interesting about these songs congregationally is that originally when we first wrote them, we actually didn't have congregational singing in mind, but more so of a of a congregational engagement. That that these okay. were songs that whether you're um, a, a kid or a, an adult and a Christian for many years, that you would hopefully learn something uh, in the songs yeah. as they as they walk through the details of the narrative. And be encouraged by by something in this story, and uh, I mean, particularly, of course, by the coming of Christ. But even just looking at the little details of, okay, what happened with Zechariah? What happened with with Mary and Joseph and all these different characters? But I will say, then what happened over time is that most of the songs were again more for listening and considering and that kind of thing. But um, there are a couple important things we did that I think really enhanced the engagement. And one of the things was just to I mean, sounds silly, but just have the lyrics on screen and then put the scripture passages beneath them so that it was just very clear, like, okay, we're walking through this and and try to make it a full sort of engaging um, time together uh, through these songs so that we could share not just the music, but almost like the process of songwriting them. And people could see, oh, wow, okay, that's where that chorus comes from. That's where that line comes from, Um, that, that kind of thing. So that was really special. Um, another thing I'll, I'll add to it, um, as well is to say one of the, uh, my, one of my favorite songs in the whole set is, um, the only real congregational song in the whole thing. And, um, it's a song called in the days of Caesar, and it comes out of the first seven verses of Luke two, which is like the classic, like I think of, you know, grandpa sits in the armchair and he opens up the Bible on Christmas Eve and he reads like, okay. And then days of Caesar Augustus, you know, that kind of thing. Well, um, for the longest time, I actually didn't write a song for that section because it's very like if you read it, it's it's pretty. Um, it's just details. It's it's very the, the, all the characters we've been focusing on around that don't make as much of a a personal emotional appearance. Luke's just giving us the details of okay, there's a census. Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem. Jesus is born. That's the here idea. Here are the facts. Yeah. Here, right here are the facts. Here they are. Um, and, and so we would take a break on Christmas Eve. We would play the songs that walked through the story up to that point. We would take a break and one of our pastors, um, our, our lead pastor, uh, sometimes he would write a poem that year for Advent and he'd read it then. Sometimes he'd, he would, uh, share a short devotional or, or thought from, um, what we had studied as a church that year or, or whatever it was to focus on the birth of Christ. And then we'd finish the set with the last few songs. But over time I realized, okay, if I, if I want this to be a, a full set, okay, I've got to write something for this little moment here. So I remember it was like, um, it was July one year 
and you know the, this whole Christmas in July thing. So that kind of brought it back to mind. So I was I was looking at that story again, and I started to think like, what would it what would it sound like to have a congregational hymn inserted into the middle of this um, story song project that I could have everybody sing together, and it would take these details and it would apply them in such a way as we could just be in awe of the incarnation because that's that's what's so great about the story right is it's like why on earth would the god of the universe who created us care about a census in in ancient rome but the right time at the right place yes. right yeah yeah like absolutely when when the time was right yeah yeah and so all of those those little wonderful things that make the incarnation so humbling and so amazing for us to consider just trying to write a little hymn that had a, I don't know, a singable classic kind of feel. And so anyways, so that that's sort of the one main that's congregational cool. moment in the whole set. Yeah. Now on your campaign page, you answered the question, what will this sound like by saying, think Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God meets John Foreman, Caroline Cobb, Chris Steele from Nickel Creek and Phil Keggy. And that's a pretty high bar, yeah. but <laughs> listening to your last album, The Story's Still Alive, I can hear it. Um, now you you mentioned deliberately including a diversity of characters and perspectives from the Gospel of Luke, and hoping that that would reflect a diversity of community. Should I be reading into that that the styles or the genres of the songs might be different from one another, or do you just see mean that the diversity of of the the characters that you're talking about? Yes and no, I would say because I will say I think sonically. The story is still alive in so many ways as a as a debut full solo album, as you know the result of my first Kickstarter project. In so many ways, that was kind of setting the the uh, the pace for yeah what what sounds work with these songs that I'm writing yeah. in in a particular style in a particular lane. And so uh, you know um, so I'm I'm quite encouraged for you to say that those influences have come out because for me when I list those you know um, Andrew Peterson and Chris Thiele and all these guys it's how the influences all kind of seep into these different songs um, that I write and so I, I tried to take that style over the years and with writing Good News Great Joy um, I, I tried to take that diversity of influences and and put it into these songs. But at the same time, there's this balance that, unlike the story is still alive, because this is such a concept project, and I'm telling one story, I, I had to I had to stick to that, uh, you know, that one story, so to speak. And so I, I think in in some ways, yes, there's like a diversity of of sound there, but also there's sort of the 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 singular statement sonically, gotcha, musically, okay. that yeah. the whole project. So creates. more cohesive. Yeah, the way that the the way that the characters come out, um, and um, who helped me and co-wife Bethany, um, all three of us sing really the whole thing. And so, though I lead a lot of the songs, um, there is a diversity of voices that you hear, and, and the goal in that is to try to represent the, the different characters that are going through. In fact, one of the challenges for me is that um, writing a song for Mary's Magnificat in in Luke, you know, this is there's this beautiful poem of praise. And in reading it, I was like, oh, well, I mean, I can't sing that, you know. Yeah. I need to get a strong female voice. And thankfully, my, my wife, she has a beautiful voice. And so um, there's a song that I wrote for, for her to sing from that passage called Oh Soul Rejoice. And so it's moments like that that sort of I, I tried to 
um, through the diversity of voices that are singing. Um, but yes, even, yeah, even some of the styles and stuff like that, they do sort of cater to particular moments. You know, when Zechariah is silenced, there's an emotion there that's very different than when the angels um, appear as a heavenly host singing glory to God in the highest, you know, the, so yeah. trying to represent that musically was, was a challenge while trying not to stray too far from what would feel like a single cohesive project. Gotcha. Yeah. Now you've got some really interesting extras in the Kickstarter options, like a devotional. I love that you included coloring pages. You've got canvas art, even house concerts and resources for churches. Is there a particular reward that you're most excited about? For me, I think, um, one of the things that I was most excited about with this Kickstarter for Good News, Great Joy uh, was the, the church packages. I mean, and, and part of that comes from the perspective, um, you know, working as a worship pastor and thinking, you know, I have to think through, okay, what kind of resources are helpful for our people and, and really wanting to create something that would be beneficial. And so not only having the music, but then being able to have um, a, a devotional book. I, I remember making the lyric book for the story still alive. And, and there were a lot of, um, a lot of positive responses from that, um, that reward. And so I, as I was thinking about good news, great joy, I was trying to think, okay, how, you know, I, I want to make something similar, but how can I add just another level of intentionality to it, um, that it could be helpful for people. And so I think having some devotionals written to put into that, um, we'll be able to help make it um, useful, not just to get to know the music, but to get to know the story in scripture that the music's supposed to be rep- representing, right? And to yeah. help people in the Advent season really stop and consider um, what the coming of Christ really means um, 2,000 years plus later, you know? And so I think the devotional piece and then mixed with the coloring pages, because, you know, every time we perform this music, it's aimed to be enjoyable for the whole family. That that's one of the things I loved whenever I've, I've gone to behold the Lamb of God concerts that Andrew Peterson puts on. It is so cool to see like the generational diversity of people that show up to those concerts. It's like, you know, my wife and I, we don't have kids yet, but we've been going for years and years and we just love it and dive into it. And the music's so good and it's so intelligently written, but then you've got, you know, you're sitting across the aisle from a whole family of, of kids that are excited and expectant because they've been listening to this music, you know, for the last several weeks. So I, I just love that. And so when we, you know, when we wrote these songs for our church, we wanted to have um, that kind of multi-generational engagement. And so one of the things we did actually just last year for the first time was I had a, a friend at, uh, at our church make some coloring pages and, um, and we actually were able to kind of arrange them all as like a, it's kind of this massive, I think of like, this is so cheesy. I think of like the kids menus at restaurants, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a giant single page thing. So we set up, we set up tables and we have this giant single page paper and there's panels for each song that they'll oh, color cool. through and it'll kind of, um, and it's arranged in such a way that you can actually, it's on a map so you can see where the characters are and what's oh, happening cool. in different these places. So trying to think of how, okay, how do I share that in the best way for other kids and other churches and that kind of thing. So that's the goal of the coloring book is to take all those panels to make them bigger. So those full, uh, full size pages, but then still have in the back that full um, sort of single sheet of all of good news, great joy with the context. Color. Yes. With the context. Kind of like the, the map of a book. When, yes. you, when you go to, and there's like a whole other land and the first few pages, there's the maps, yes. you know, 
how everything fits uh, together. And and I am such a fantasy nerd, so I channeled all of the fantasy nerddom map making sort of into this because I was I was even thinking, okay, Jerusalem's here and the Bethlehem is here geographically. So how do I arrange these panels to make the it was so fun. Now, I really, so did you did you draw it yourself? Are you like handy as a, a graphic artist as well or I, I do uh, some graphic design um it, it was definitely a, a co-laboring effort um there's a, a friend at church that made the panels themselves um but in terms of drawing some of the the geography and uh, buildings and kind of putting it all together that was more uh, the fun i got to do now we'll see my my hope is to um i, I haven't settled in on a graphic uh, designer for Good news, great joy, quite yet, but I'm I'm really hoping to be able to take what we've done and and beef it up a notch, so to speak, and and yeah. and make it really um, engaging and, and helpful for for kids, and I mean for anybody who wants to color, which would yeah. include me too, because I'm just a big kid. So <laughs> I saw on Facebook that you were able to do uh, an evening backyard concert a few nights ago with some of these songs. Yeah. How did that come about? How did it go? What uh, was that the the first time that your church has been able to hear kind of all the songs or? It wasn't the first time, um, okay. it, but it was certainly a, a really special evening together. And, and it, it was one that I was really looking forward to as we approached this season. Um, we've had the full songs written, I guess, about a year and a half now. So they have, we've, we've shared them all as a full set. Um Gosh, at least once, maybe twice, even though with some editing over the year. That's another benefit, right, yeah. of doing this over the years. But um, the point is, for for this evening, um, this past Tuesday that we did, um, yeah, just knowing how difficult this year has been and um, the various challenges that all of us have gone through with isolation and sickness and division and all all this kind of stuff. I I just was looking ahead at. Um, the start of Advent, and was trying to think, okay, what's a safe, encouraging, um, worshipful event that we could kind of all come together on and celebrate not only this music, but just celebrate the start of Advent together. So it, it was a really special evening because there are a handful of people that, you know, every year they've been out of town at Christmas Eve, they have Christmas plans. And so they did hear those songs for the first time. And oh, that was cool. really special to to hear their excitement and to hear them get to connect with this music that they've um, haven't been able to on that level. Um, and yeah, we met in a backyard and, and did it all up with Christmas lights. And, you know, I shared some of the songs from the project and then we just sang uh, a whole set of Advent carols. And, uh, I think that, that was probably as much my favorite part as the other, just being able to, to kick off the season, so to speak that way with my church. Yeah. And, uh, e- even though it's been such a dark and difficult year to remember that, I mean, that's what Advent's about is, is God stepping in and bringing the light straight into our yeah. darkness. And so it was encouraging. I I uh I'm gonna get the the reference wrong now. I just seen Barnabas Piper tweet a couple days ago. I think it's a Carl Henry quote. It was um, basically the early Christians didn't say, "Look at what this world is coming to." Hmm. They said, "Look what is coming into this world." Wow! And it was just like, "Thank you, Barnabas Piper." <laughs> like, wow. That is such a, such a great reminder of the perspective yes. that we shouldn't be like, well, we shouldn't be shocked that lost people are like lost people, but mm-hmm. we should be the one saying, Hey, you know, in this great darkness, in this great chaos, God is 
bringing light. He's bringing order. He's bringing life. He's, you know, yeah. Um, so the whole we've got this expectancy of Advent and then the the coming of Christmas. So yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. That's a great quote. I love that. And Christmas has always been, you know, seasonally one of my favorite times of year. I I love the cold. I love all of the fun things about Christmas, the decorations and the lights, all that kind of stuff. But, but truly, I mean, um, genuinely, I, I think the incarnation of Christ that we stop and consider during this time and, and that put together with the season of Advent of this expectation and, and longing in the darkness for God to bring his light. Um, there's something just, I think so, um, <laughs> I guess this is kind of a duh to say, but like uniquely human and uniquely divine that happens at that yeah. crossing point that I just need, like in my soul, I just need to remember like, oh yeah, like salvation began because God wrapped on flesh and just came down into this mess to find me yeah. and, and to, um, to save his people. And, and so, because I think we're all, um, we're all laden with all kinds of burdens as we enter into the end of the year of whether it's guilt for things we haven't done, whether it's the frustration of the things that have been foiled, especially in a year like 2020, all that kind of stuff. And so you can, you can, you can get really tense and frustrated and depressed about all those things and then forget that the whole point of it is, hey, God's already come down. Like God's the one who's wrapped on flesh and has stepped into all this mess um, to be with us and to to do what we can't. And so, I, I, yeah, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a huge encouragement. And that's, that's why I just I, I'm really excited about these songs because they're, you know, they are celebratory but not without walking through some pretty dark moments. I mean, a guy who's old and advanced in years and he and his wife are barren, have had no kids, an angel shows up and his response is to doubt it essentially and he's silenced for months. You know what I mean? Like that's a dark place. Yeah. Um, Mary, young girl, not a high person in society, not living in the most important town around, right? Is told that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit with the Messiah and then having to deal with the social fallout and the, the her own <laughs> doubts and fears and all those kind of, I mean, it, it's some really rough stuff. And yet the way that God so patiently and lovingly and faithfully moves in the midst of those moments is just incredible. Um, so I just, yeah, I just love this season. So two things that, that aren't questions, but I loved the setting you chose for the campaign video. That was beautiful with the steps and then the, the land, you know, there's just a little bit of flat area and then more steps. And then the, I mean, where is that? That's gorgeous. Yeah. It's in, it's in Rusk, Texas, which I know everyone has, has heard of the metropolis of Rusk, Texas. I actually wouldn't have known about it except that funny enough, back in the, the early fall, um, I was I was kind of location scouting with a, with a friend who's done a lot of video and uh, photo content for, uh, for me uh, over the years. And um, we, I'd seen some pictures of this park called Butler Park. And I saw these steps that went up through the pine trees. And I was like, ooh, that's really pretty and cool. So honestly, when I saw that, I was actually looking for um, a backdrop to shoot a music video for The Story is Still Alive. But as that project kind of waned, and of course, as, as this year has proven to be so for all of us, uh, that didn't go as expected. And so when it came time to work on this Kickstarter, I... I remembered that park again and I was like you know what 
that's that's what I think I can use it for. Let, let's go see if we can do that. So we borrowed a generator, grabbed some Christmas lights, a bunch of decorations, loaded up into the uh, a friend's car, drove you know the two and a half hours away outside wow. the Metroplex, and uh, yeah, it was a blast. Um, it was fun. It was gorgeous, though. It was really nice. The, the other thing I wanted to say, I just want to mention how much I appreciate that you are a solid backer of other people's campaigns. Mm. So. I checked out your Kickstarter profile and I saw that we have backed a lot of the same artists over the past few years, even artists and campaigns that I covered on this very podcast. Mm, And so I'm going to give you a personal invitation since you're on Facebook to join the crowdfunding Christian music group on Facebook. Awesome. Obviously you're welcome to comment about your campaign, but also if you find out about somebody else's or interested in to kind of keep your ear to the ground for for new campaigns. I just, I love to see it when an artist isn't just look at me, look at me, look at me, Mm. but is, Hey, by the way, like I'm, I'm just like everybody else and a fan of their Mm. music and want to support the arts as, as much as I need to be supported. And so I just want to recognize that because I, I really appreciate that as a a fellow fan. I, I appreciate it. And I, I benefit so much from the work of artists and specifically independent artists. And that's why I'm such a Kickstarter junkie. Um, because I, I just love to see other creative individuals, whether it's music or, I mean, board games and uh, visual arts and all that kind of stuff. I just love to see how so many different creative people that, yeah, maybe nobody will hear on the big name radio stations or nobody will see in their local uh, game store or wherever else, but you know, I can find these projects and discover something really special and be a part of it. Um, that's why I just love the crowdfunding yeah. um, sort of renaissance that's happened in the last several years of just of just this this uh, you know m- making projects together that um, wouldn't be able to exist otherwise. It's a, such a special thing to be a part of. Thank you, Graham. I really appreciate your time today. I really appreciate you sharing more of the the backstory and the history and the passion for this project. I hope that it helps uh, our listeners kind of connect better with what you're doing and hopefully pull the trigger if they were on the fence for supporting this uh, before the end of the year. I I appreciate you spending your time with us. Thanks so much, Garrett. It's been a blessing. Now, we talked a lot about his music, but he didn't actually play any of it for you. So here is the title track from his last album, The Story is Still Alive, so you know what Graham's music sounds like. Sometimes I know It sounds too much like fairy tales to be true And our broken world by its physics spins aloft And some days I know It feels like faith has flown away and then years go by without you ever feeling a spark But don't you know The story's still alive We have this hope There is no shadow where his light can match 
$15 gets you the download of the album next October, along with a digital Christmas card. $30 gets you the CD and some stickers and Christmas cards. At $50, you get a long sleeve shirt. And as you heard on the interview, he's got devotional guides, canvas art, coloring pages, house concerts, and even resources for churches. So head over to Kickstarter and search for Graham Jones. This campaign closes Wednesday, December 30th. So what's one way that you can become a good patron? Give the gift of music. Okay, so it's December right now, so Christmas is right around the corner, but this tip is good year-round. Buy someone a CD by a band or artist that you love that you think they'll like. Or, if they aren't into physical media anymore, then buy a download code for them as a gift over at Bandcamp. That way they can download it in high quality and have it in their locker. If you want to hear more reasons about why I think buying from Bandcamp is better than buying from Apple or Amazon, check out episode 16. You don't even have to restrict yourself to buying music for your family or close friends. I want to give a shout out right now to my Twitter friend, Joel. For a while now, he has been buying music for relative strangers on Bandcamp Friday. Now, here's the deal with Bandcamp Friday. Bandcamp lately has been waiving all their company fees for purchases made on Friday and passing that all on directly to the artist. Anyway, Joel will have folks send him a genre they like, and he'll buy them an album that he thinks they'll enjoy. And I found another group online encouraging folks to buy music for people off their Bandcamp wish list for their birthday. So I challenge you to give the gift of music. Maybe you start with folks you know well before expanding to folks you don't know well, but give the gift of music. Now, I have got more campaigns and pre-orders to tell you about, so stick around to find out about some opportunities you have to help some specific artists with some active campaigns and pre-orders right after this quick break. This UTR Media Podcast is sponsored by the debut release from singer-songwriter Andrew Haynes. Dig a While by Andrew Haynes is an acoustic folk album inspired by the beauty of creation and the truth of scripture. Dig a While by Andrew Haynes is available now on Spotify and all other major music platforms. Hey, this is UTR's Dave Trout, and this Friday I'm hosting a Facebook Live video you don't want to miss. It's called 2020. What up with that? What's up with that? You're going to want to join us this Friday, December 11th at 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for a Facebook Live video where I will cover such groundbreaking questions as what has it been like running a nonprofit in the year 2020? (laughs) What were the good surprises of the year? What are we looking forward to the most for the road ahead? What are some ways, if any, that you can link arms with us? What are the details for the private online all-star concerts? Ah, that's... Plus your questions and comments on the Facebook Live called 2020, What Up With That? I said, what's up? What 
this Friday, December 11th at 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 Eastern Time at Facebook.com slash UTR Media. If you like to see the encouraging, spirit-focused work that UTR Media continue to grow strong, join the year-end campaign, Build-A-Thon 2020. Together, we can see the work grow and thrive, especially now when digital content is so important. Your gift of support will help impact lives. Matt in Washington State said, If it wasn't for UTR Media, I would have never heard of favorite musicians like Josh Garrels, Andrew Peterson, Matthew Clark, Andrew Osanga. I've been going through chemotherapy for Hodgkin's lymphoma, and UTR's Gourmet Music Podcast has been my musical accompaniment. I need the honesty and authenticity of the artists that I find at UTR Media. Thanks. Invest in the good work at UTR Media now during Build-A-Thon 2020 with a one-time or monthly tax-deductible donation. Go to utrmedia.org. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. Abby Holiday is a singer-songwriter from Cincinnati, Ohio, and has been playing and writing and singing for a while now. Now, she had recorded a worship EP titled Slow Down back in 2019 with a friend, and has even shared the stage with singer-songwriter Jay Lind. Now, she's got a handful of new songs that she's excited about. Not worship songs, just songs about other aspects of her life. Here is a just-released sneak peek at one of those songs about how it's easier to write songs than truly connect with folks. Here is a clip from her song, Famous. It's a live basement recording that she just released on Instagram, so not quite studio quality, but it's amazing for a basement recording. Here's the clip. I'll write a song for you If you really want me to I'll even play the chords in the right order But that don't mean that I Can be there for you But I'll write a song If you really want me to Baby, I'll write the words Don't be so eloquent I'll even find a word To rhyme with eloquent But that don't mean that I Can be there for you but I'll write a song, call that development But what are these songs if I've got no one I can sing them to? I'm starting to think that life is more than being sad and writing tunes Well, I don't want to be famous I just want to be a good friend Yeah, forget what everyone's saying I just want to be in love again Oh, I swear I'm going crazy Wasting all of my time playing pretend I don't want to be famous $10 gets you the early digital download of the project $30 you get that plus a personalized Christmas card And then she's got other options like shirts, stickers, handwritten lyrics She'll even come over and make you breakfast tacos And maybe sing your song or two if you're within 100 miles of Cincinnati So head over to Kickstarter and search for Abby That's A-B-B-Y Holiday with two L's. This campaign closes Saturday, December 19th. You may recognize the name Chase Tremaine. He hosts the Jesus Freak Hideout podcast, but he also released his debut album, Unfall, 
this past January. Now he has launched a Bandcamp pre-order for his 12-track follow-up album to be titled Development and Compromise. He's written and performed everything on the project that pulls from a wide variety of influences. Here is a clip of his track, A Compromise, so you've got an idea what it'll sound like. It's hard to get a grip on a slippery slope and convince yourself that you're sensible. It's hard to throw away methods you use to cope and not think that everything will fall. It's hard to win fall mad in love with someone that you never get a chance to see. And then your life becomes a big countdown to none of how many promises you keep. So simple, staying in seems so simple. Seems so simple, staying in line. Oh, we talk about meeting in the middle. Yeah, we talk about meeting in the middle. Yeah, we talk about meeting in the middle. Do we have to choose a side? He's asking $6 for the pre-order for this 12-song album over at Bandcamp. And by the way, you can always bump that up when you're checking out. Now, you'll get two songs immediately that you can download, and then you can download the entire album when it releases January 22nd. So head over to Bandcamp and search for Chase Tremaine. Thomas Bowles is a singer-songwriter from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and after years of being a worship leader, he began to write his own songs. But these songs are more raw and gut-wrenching songs that almost serve as therapy for him, and he hopes that they will provide comfort and perspective to those who are hurting. Now, he's launched a Kickstarter campaign for this small collection of songs to be titled Don't Wake Me. Here's a clip of his campaign video that's got some of his music, but I need to say that you also hear other noises from the video itself, so just know that like that's not going to be what the album sounds like. Here is the clip. $10 gets you the early download of the EP, $25 gets you the CD and a sticker, and he even has hand-drawn lyric art shirts, guitar lessons, and dinner. So head over to Kickstarter and search for Thomas Bowles. That's B-O-W-L-E-S. This campaign closes Wednesday, December 23rd. Perhaps you know the name Mikey Bridges if you're an old-school alternative Christian rock band. He was in Sometime Sunday and Tragedy Ann and founded and ran TomFest. Essentially, he spent 25 years as a Christian rock missionary. Now, he's come to change some of his personal religious beliefs, but still has a love for and understanding of all his old friends from across the timeline of Christian rock. He's recently launched a GoFundMe to develop, film, and produce a two-episode pilot for a TV docuseries to be titled Blood, Sweat, and Sin, The History of Christian Rock. 
If that's something you're interested in seeing happen, head over to GoFundMe and search for Blood, Sweat, and Sin. To read more about it, you can watch what they call a sizzle trailer that they've made so far, and you can check out episode 13 of his podcast, Deconstruct, to hear more about how this documentary series has come about. And, okay, a couple things that are not rumors. They are not conspiracies. This is not anecdotal. I can provide screenshots of everything I'm going to talk about as proof that I'm not making it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm taking it a little bit too far, but here's the deal. I've got a couple campaigns that I know are coming, but I don't have all the specifics or links yet. So here's what I know. Low Fidelity Records, they're the ones that have been putting out amazing remastered reissues of classic Christian alternative records from yesteryear. They wanted to launch a Kickstarter campaign for a while for the Mark Hurd album, Dry Bone Stands. Now, they were ready to finally launch it and ran into issues with Kickstarter itself. So they rebuilt the entire campaign on Indiegogo. This is the first time they've done anything on Indiegogo after seven years and 20 successfully funded campaigns exclusively on Kickstarter. Now, by the time you're hearing this, it's likely gone live. The plan that Low Fidelity Records shared with the Mark Hurd fans Facebook group is for the Indiegogo campaign to go public Monday, December 7th at noon central and then run until Friday, January 8th. Here's a clip of Mark Hurd's song, Strong Kind of Love, from the album Dry Bones Dance, so you've got an idea what it sounds like. So head over to Indiegogo and search for Mark Hurd or Dry Bones Dance. You will not be disappointed. Now, the other heads up, I mean, wow. Okay, so there was this band that put out one CD and then disappeared. The Swoon. There's a new website that just went up, www.theswoon.band, and it has a video for their song, Whose Hands Are These? And at the very, very, very end of the video, it briefly shows the logo for Low Fidelity Records. And Lloyd Harp just posted an article up at IndieVisionMusic.com revealing that there are plans to reissue their debut album and a broader release of the album Spectacular Illusions, which had only been briefly available on cassette after the end broke up, and buried at the end of a blog post about a poster on the Swoon website. It says they're gearing up toward the 2021 re-release of their music. So, you know the drill. Subscribe to the podcast so you hear about it when it goes live. Follow the show on Twitter, at Patron, so you'll see us tweeting about it, even if it goes live between the episodes. Join the Crowdfunding Christian Music Group on Facebook so you can join in on the discussion about this and other campaigns that are going on. 
all the stuff. Find us at all the places. Now, I really hope at least one of these campaigns or artists this episode has connected with you and that you'll follow up and check it out. If you end up backing any of the campaigns or pre-orders, or if you have any questions or feedback, or if you want to give me a heads up about a campaign I should know about, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me via email, goodpatronpodcast at gmail.com, or reach out on Twitter at goodpatron or join the Facebook group. Now, I am excited to keep digging into the topic of how to be a good patron, and I hope that I encourage you in your journey from fan to patron. Until next episode, remember, great music doesn't just happen, so get involved. Good Patron Podcast is proud to be a part of UTR Media, an independent, listener-supported, nonprofit ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and found online at utrmedia.com. Dot org.